You are listening to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. In healthcare, we have so many questions about what's trending versus what's actually the truth. So on this show, we're going to get to the bottom of it. It's health, it's wellness, it's beauty, explained by the people who actually know what they're talking about. guys, welcome back to the Dabble Co. Podcast. Happy 2024. I am your host, nurse practitioner Claire O'Brien, and I have decided in 2024 that I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about, not necessarily healthcare related. And so today I have my friend Sally, who basically Sally helps women make more money. And let's be honest, most of y'all are women. I know. I mean, there are like shout out to my husband and like my friend Jason who listens to my podcast, <laughs> but the other 98.9% of you are women. So I have Sally today. She is the founder of a really cool business organization called The Brim. And she has helped me, me personally, my business personally, and is just is awesome and, and fun and all over the country. So we were like, let's do it. Let's talk about making more money. So Sally, welcome. How are you? Thank you. I am so excited to be here, Claire. And I've been a longtime listener of your podcast. Love it. So honored to be here. Thank you. So we're not talking about healthcare today, but you know what? I, I think people are going to be okay with that. I, I just, I feel confident in that. So, okay. Tell us kind of your background. Like how, how did you, I mean, you're like secretly a lawyer. Like how did you get here? How did you get into business and then you niched into women, which is awesome because we really, we need that and we'll talk about why, but how did you get here? Where, what's your background? Yeah. So I got here by chance. Um, I think that the best businesses kind of end up coming about truly organically because it's just a, a natural kind of evolution of who you are authentically. So yeah. I started practicing law and within that I practiced labor and employment litigation. And so for those of you who are not in the field, Ooh. you wouldn't otherwise know, but labor and employment litigation really meant I dealt with the employer employee relationship. And so I mean, I did as an employer, I know what that is. And that's yes. rough, Sally. That's it, rough. It is rough. It is rough. Yeah. I did that for 10 I years. I didn't know that. Yes. 10, you did 10 years of employee. Wow. Okay. All right. Carry on. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just so was it wasn't just a minute. Tidbit. <clears throat> yeah, I was writing employment agreements, non-compete agreements. I was litigating over them and then writing employee handbooks. PTO policies, you name it, and really advising employers on hirings and terminations. And so naturally, I just really became obsessed with what makes a better work environment, right? And so I was always working with HR in that field. And I never really loved the practice of law. Like I used to say, I worked with really large companies too, FedEx, Michelin, you know, traveled with their general counsels. It was amazing. But it just wasn't fulfilling, right? I didn't go to bed at night thinking, yay, I saved FedEx a million dollars. Contract like, law. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. Yeah. <laughs> no, You're like jacked no. about that. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Um, and so when I had the opportunity to become the CEO of a 
a corporate and tax firm, I jumped at the chance because it was a chance to really run a small company um, and really figure out all the aspects of the other side of business that I hadn't had experience with. So I did that for three years and then ended up becoming a COO, like a chief operating officer of six different companies over the course of the next six different years, kind of doing that for hire, um, going from company to company. And what I ended up realizing was what I loved to do was focus on revenue growth. I love to make them more money, really figure out how to be more efficient, you know, figure out what was going wrong from kind of a third party perspective and be able to help them fix it and then move on to the next. And so when I had a female entrepreneur come to me and say, hey, we would love for you to teach us what it is that you've been doing inside these companies. Would you do that? I said, what does that look like? And she said, uh, you could be our coach. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Tell me more. Um, and so that's how I really ended up here. I have an identical twin sister that has an amazing company, Hamden Clothing. And she had been an entrepreneur long before me. And I had seen all the trials and tribulations she had gone through from everything mm -hmm. from funding to, you know, all of the, the dealings with banks and things that women struggle with. And I wanted to make that situation better. So immediately from the get go, I made it female focused and, and have ever since. So, yeah. That's awesome. And, and I feel like too, what I loved about, so Sally has, there's a conference with her, the company that you have now is called the Brim and it's, it's all women. And they actually have a conference where you can go and hear from and network with and, and learn from other women in business. But what I'm, what I realized too, and, and just thinking about like my audience and who who listens to this podcast, who who cares about this, there are a lot of women with small businesses that would like them to be bigger, but there are things like the only reason I feel like I know anything about business is because my husband got his MBA during COVID, so I was like literally sitting right there, and we he would come to the you know table and talk about I don't know EBITDA, and I was like, please, I don't know what the what these words mean, but. Sure. So, or just like throwing, you know, being kind of tossed into the fire, you kind of have to learn. But there are a lot of women who have these, who have small businesses who, that could be run better, that could be more profitable, that could be potentially even, even if you don't want it to be bigger, there's all, there are always ways to improve. And I, I even think about the, the, I'm going to say women, because again, I think we might have one man that works for us, maybe two, but predominantly the women that work for, for me at SkinClick or with me, they would love to grow their revenue. They would love to be, they jump, but there's just, they don't, it's like, they don't even know. It's almost like, well, I don't know what I don't know. And this is just, it is how it is. So like, what would you, let's start from the, just the beginning, just the most basic, you know, here's my five minute, here are the basic business things that you need to learn about. Here's where to go. Here, here's a book. Like, where do you, where do you even start? Yeah, it's, tremendously overwhelming. And that is immediately what I was faced with, right? How would mm -hmm. I narrow it down for the female entrepreneur that I was working with at the time? And I was kind of looking for a guide, right? Where is the book that basically just like sums it up in a nutshell? And there are a bunch of guides out there. There were a bunch that existed at the time, but 
what I was finding is that there were two really crazy ends of the spectrum, right? There was uh-huh. one that was like, here is how you set up an email address. And here is how <laughs> you, you know, it's like. Which some of us need, okay? Yes. Let's, we're not. Obviously. And, and I needed that, frankly, too. Like at the beginning, how do I make it? Sally at growwiththebroom.com. There's my email, everybody. Email me whenever you want. And um, Sally with an I I ID. Exactly. Yes, 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 yes. yes. And so I I needed that. But once you get past that, probably over the course of the first like quarter, right, the first three months, and then the other end of the spectrum is, again, like you're talking about EBITDA, how do I sell it? How do I, you know, get a private equity firm? What are margins? People don't know what margins are, you know, I mean, profit, like they they really don't. Right. And so you've got these two ends, but where is the whole chunk in the middle? And that's what you're talking about is how do I make it more profitable and how do I become more productive? And those are the two things that are never answered, I found, at least from a female entrepreneur's perspective, because the number one thing that stops female entrepreneurs, I don't care what anybody says, is still a lack of confidence. You can call it a thousand percent. Yes. Yes. It is imposter syndrome, confidence, self-doubt. You can call it all the different things, right? I will have right. female entrepreneurs say to me all the time, oh, I, I'm confident in what I do. I just don't want to charge what I think it should be. And I'm like, totally. hey, that's the same thing, right? If you're not willing to charge the right. highest amount of money you're capable of getting of your product, that's a self-doubt issue. That's an imposter issue. And so yeah. there are rarely programs out there that address this. They'll give you all of the tactical, but then they pretend like this entire self-doubt imposter syndrome side of it doesn't exist. And I wanted to create something that overlaid the two. And so that's what I've really spent, you know, the last six years very focused on and really feel like I've I've nailed down now with the program that I have, which is called the Sales Accelerator. And I feel like it does exactly what you asked me, which is what are the six things that I've got to know to be able to make it more productive and more profitable so that, you know, the productivity means I have, I get to work less, right? And the profitability means, yes, the revenue may grow, but most importantly, so does my take home, right? And and that's what we've got to be much more obsessed with versus, right, what's the, the big overall number? Like, is it $10 million business? Well, who cares yep. if it only brings home 200 grand? So, yeah. So well, and I, I think that's that's because we, I mean, <clears throat> confidence, like I, I think we're doing women a disservice if we don't address, which which is exactly what you do, honestly, if we don't address the confidence issue and call it what it is, right? Like let women know it's, it's okay. Most women feel this way 80%. because 80%, God bless me. 80%. Oh, and I want to talk about how many, um, women founded businesses actually make over a million dollars in revenue because it's a lot it's lower, lower than you think. Yes. 2%. Such a low number because I, I think, I mean, and I just, again, like going back to, you know, my audience and who are these women and who wants to hear this? Like I, I have so many w- women that are friends, you know, followers, whatever that have these great businesses. But like you said, I think we're just like, Oh, it's imposter syndrome. And Oh, I'm confident. I'm a really talented, you know, I'm going to use Dorothy Shane as an example. Love you, Dorothy. My client. Exactly. Met her at the brim. Delightful. Mm -hmm. Now we are the best of friends. 
So, you know, like extremely talented artist. And I think it was likely very confident in her artistic ability, but knew, okay, but this is an actual business and I need to know how to, to grow and run this actual business and was likely not confident in her business abilities. Dorothy, you could also be like, Claire, what are you talking about? But I don't know. I'm just thinking of an example that people can w- would want to know, like, who even are these people? Because you don't have to have like a, I think people hear it, founder of a company and they think it has to be some big, massive multimillion dollar operation. But really, it's it can be your your art business. Absolutely. And I love that we're calling her out because one of the reasons why I admire Dorothy so much is because she is not only willing to invest in her you know, continued growth as an artist, but she's willing to invest in her continued growth as a business owner. And so why should we stigmatize asking for help with the business side of things when we never stigmatize asking for help with regard to the creative side of things? And we've got to say more freely and openly, hey, I don't know what the heck I'm doing because no one taught me this. Where is that mm-hmm. class? It does not mm-hmm. exist, right? It, it's not in, it's not in law school. It's it's not at, I, I got a business degree from Vanderbilt. It's not there either. I didn't learn any of these things there. And so what I tell women all the time is don't feel ashamed of not knowing. There is no reason why you would. No oh, reason. Yeah. Think about your field. Like the, you certainly wouldn't have learned it getting like a master's in fine art somewhere, or you certainly don't learn it getting a, you know, NP, you know, master's or med school. N- none of that. I mean, none of that teaches you. I mean, let's talk about the basics of like you, we've said revenue and profit a few times. I'm like, I legit did not know those two things were like, dip, which sounds so dumb, but you're, you just don't, why would you think, why would I have thought about that as a nurse practitioner ever? I just was like, la la la, let me bill for the hospital and pay my salary. Thanks. Like, I don't, you don't think about it. No, no. And in fact, I'm going to be totally honest. The name of the program prior to now, prior to this year was the revenue accelerator. And we ended up changing the name to the sales accelerator because we found that people didn't know what that meant. A thousand percent. Those people are me. (laughs) And I was like, but it it just goes to show that like, you know, uh, this is why you outsource learning some of these things to experts who spend all of their time only learning, right, how to make your business more profitable and more productive. So you don't have to be the one to go by yourself and figure out, okay, what's revenue? What's profit? How do I, how do I separate all of this? And, you know, that's one of the things we do deep dive into within the sales accelerator. Now, like one section is totally dedicated to pricing, but within that, right. In order to understand pricing, you've got to understand, well, revenue is just how much do people pay us as a company over the course of the entire year, right? January 1st to December 31st, for most people, that's their fiscal year, their calendar year, mm-hmm. is how much money did we make as a company, right, period. And then profit is after we paid all of our expenses, everything that it costs us to make, right, the the widgets that we make, then what did we have left over? And that's our profit. And that's what we get to divide or disperse amongst our owners. So that's just a quick differentiation before between the two. But but obviously, we go much more in depth, like you were talking about earlier, in margins and being able to understand, right, what does my product have 
to be priced in mm-hmm. order for me to be profitable, right? What am I required to charge given the amount of time and energy and effort and years of expertise that I've put in in order to gain this knowledge to create that piece of artwork or consulting package or marketing piece, right? That's yep. years and years and years. And instead, women more often than men still statistically are charging by the hour. And that to me is also one of like my lifelong dedications is to help women move away from billing time for money because it is Wait, a losing why? Oh, it's a yes. losing proposition, right? The better you get okay. at something, the less time it takes you, right? It, I got all my bubbles going. Um, right. Where does that come from? That did that to me on Instagram the other day. We, yeah. Okay, y'all, when you put your thumb up and it like this weird bubble with a thumb in it comes up and I'm like, what? who designed that? It's not helpful. It's so weird and distracting. Sorry. Okay. The, le- the more, the better you get at something, the less time it takes you. Interesting. So, well then, but then wouldn't you say like then charge more per hour? I don't know. I'm fascinated right now that I shouldn't be charging by the hour. Not that that almost is not ever my particular need, but I bet there are a lot of people who do have that need. So, okay, this is very interesting, Sally. There are a lot and, or they'll think about, maybe they're not charging per hour, but they'll think about how many hours it took them to create their widget, right? It took them so many hours to create that piece of artwork or that needlepoint or that whatever. And so inevitably they're still going back to that really old equation. And Uh the reason why is because the better you get at something, the less time it takes you. And so your efficiency increases and you are then suffering as a result. And so you have to go and do the most expensive, most difficult thing that exists out there, which is go and acquire more clients to reach the same threshold that you were earning when you are less equipped, less knowledgeable, less capable. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cause I'm just thinking about myself, like skincare consult. It's not that it takes me that much time anymore. I'm certainly faster at it. I have formulas for different conditions and yada, yada, but also, I mean, I just think about the sheer volume of time that I put into like my continued education. I'm always doing classes. I'm about to pay $4,000 for another training and da da da. And like, it's, it's a lot anyway. Okay. I'm going to, I'm taking personal notes myself. That's what goes into the determination of pricing, right? Right. The less time it takes you, the actually more expensive it should be. So think about it in your field of healthcare. Like you don't want the surgeon, right. To be paid by the hour, right? Because you're going to get the... Right. Like, the dope, slow, the right? slow guy. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's not what it's we like, want. L- no. And instead, you want to pay the guy who takes 15 minutes to roll in, roll out, and you'll pay him whatever amount of money the is girl. necessary. Or the girl, or the girl. Sally. You're right. The ladies. Yes. Thank the you. The lady surgeons. No, that's, that's an honestly really good 
comparison because yeah, like the reason I'm faster at it now is because I'm so, like, I'm so good at, I mean, sorry, but like, it's cause I'm so right. good at it now. I've done it a million uh, times. I know what I'm talking sorry. about most times. out of Yeah. Shit. Yeah. I'm not sorry. You know, nine and a half times out of 10. And, and when I don't know, I'm going to save you the time by saying, Hey, I need you to go on Accutane and see a dermatologist. I can't, I'm going to save you a thousand dollars in skincare because I'm, I, you don't need what I've got. You need to go see a derm and get on Accutane. The end. Yes. Okay. So my exactly. skincare consults are now a thousand dollars. You're welcome. No, I'm just kidding. Yes. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe one day. No, that's too much. But anyway, no, that, that makes I, sense. And I, I say that because I have a lot of the, a lot of people who work with me, you know, who, there's this just constant imposter syndrome of like, well, so-and-so doesn't charge that much. Well, you don't know what they're doing and you don't know why, and, and you don't know what their business model is. So like get, okay. you do what you need to do. Go. Uh, we have to get into this because Go. here's why. The, we're never going to get out of this, ladies, ever, if we don't realize that when, okay, we're in the corporate world, we're earning 76 cents on every male dollar, okay? Sucks, but is what it is, right? But here's the real terrible information that you're going to want to vomit over, which is we earn 56 cents. For every male dollar in the entrepreneurial world. When we set our prices, we are worse off as women. So if you go around and you're looking at all the other women and saying, well, what are they charging? And they're my competitors or my comparators, then you're going to undercharge inevitably. It's just a fact. And instead... We have to stop looking at what exactly what you said, what each other is doing, because we don't know, right? The length of study, the time, the investment, et cetera. But at the end of the day, I'm going to say this, and I beg that people will believe me, your price is never going to be the problem. Again, your price of what your product or service is, is never going to be why someone won't buy from you. It's not the it's price. It's the quality, the results, the every It's the product else. or the process. Those are the issues, right? Either your product doesn't deliver on what it says it will or the process, mm-hmm. I would argue for women, we we are badasses. We make good products, okay? So yeah. I would say 95% of the time, it's just the process. It's the process by which you get your products or services in front of your most ideal customer or even identifying who your most ideal customer is. It's the business stuff, guys. It's the process by which your business operates to teach other people how and when to buy from you or why to buy from you. And that plays a huge role. And what we do as women instead is immediately go back to what we perceive as the easy button. I'll just lower the price. Here's what then happens. You lower the price you just indicated to your customer who has already purchased from you. It wasn't as valuable as I thought it was. And now it's certainly not as valuable as what you paid for it. So how likely is that customer going to want to come back to you? Not that likely. And and then also you're saying to the rest of the world, like, I don't actually believe in what it is that I am selling, right? I, I'm kind of scared. I'm kind of nervous about it. And that's, again, where the confidence piece comes back in is, 
I get that. But again, that's why having an expert in business is so valuable to say to you, hey, I get that. That is that is trained. That is societal issues. There's a whole host of things we can go into as to why you feel that way. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, stick with the price. Let's change your process. I want to tell you guys about my favorite supplement company, Thorn. Our family personally uses several of their products. So I use their collagen in the morning, and then I use a few things that were recommended by my headache doctors. The reason we use Thorn is they are so high quality, highly tested. They don't have fillers like so many other supplement companies do. They have partnerships with hospitals and organizations all over the country, like Mayo Clinic, Medical University of South Carolina, the UFC, huge athletic organizations. So if you are looking for high quality supplements, I always recommend Thorn. You can get 15% off any Thorn products by going to Thorn, that's Thorn with an E, thorn.com slash U slash Dabbleco. Create an account and you'll get 15% off and free shipping every time. I'll put that link in the show notes. It's so interesting too. I'm just thinking about like, I love to have a good, like a real world comparison. I'm very much like, if you can't give me an example, my brain like can't process it. I'm like, okay, think about your uh, very identical twin sisters um, boutique on King street. Right. And <clears throat> everything in there is expensive. We know it. She mm-hmm. know it. The American people know it. We all know it. However, the quality of everything is unfreaking believable and I was like, okay, what's a comparison to that? Okay, I don't know if y'all remember Francesca's down the street on, on King Street. Everything in there is like $12. I don't know. Is Francesca still there? No, it is not. Like, is Hamden Clothing? Yes, and it's four times bigger than it was, you know, 15 years ago when it started. Because mm-hmm. the not just not just the product. No, and we say price. Like, yeah, sometimes I'm like, wow, I would love that dress. is $3,000, not today. You know, like, that's, that's not happening. Yes. But like extremes if we're talking about the there are extremes middle right but like there's definitely times where like you know i'd rather buy weight and buy this like amazing one-of-a-kind incredibly high quality let's say five or six hundred dollar dress than you know go into francesca's once a month and get something new which is which is really what like massive consumerism is telling us to do and and then I, I wear it a couple times and I, I literally like throw it away because it's either falling apart or looks like doo-doo or is no longer in style. And mm-hmm. and that's something that I've personally feel like I've learned and kind of leaned into over the last few years. And I would apologize for it. Like when I would post stuff that would come from Stacy's and say, you know, hey, I'm sorry, these boots are expensive. Like I know because you do feel like sometimes you'll get kind of feed, you know, a little bit of shit from people like, I can't, you know, can't believe you posted that. But more women than not said, why are you apologizing? Don't apologize. You bought a nice pair of boots that are awesome. You know, like this isn't for everybody. And if I, if and when I find a, a, you know, a lower price, not dupe, but like just, you know, like maybe there's a Zara shirt or something that's like really cute. And I, you know, it's going to serve its purpose in my life. Anyway, all that to say, gosh, that was like me rambling about, Hampton, the comparison of like Hampton versus a Francesca is like the the prices, you can't even compare the prices, but one is still standing, growing. I don't know what her revenue is. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to make conjunctures here, but it's got to be well over 20, 25 million at this point. And and then where is Francesca's? Who's to say? In, in the yeah. ocean of China, probably. 
Well, what you just described really well is comparing the two and the niches that they serve, right? The What Hamden has done really well is identified a niche and they have gone all in on that niche and they're willing to say, hey, we're for this group of people. If you value clothing that you can invest in, you value pieces that you can own for 10 or 15 years mm-hmm. and still want to wear them, which I was just can with her on confirm. a trip. Confirm. Same. Yes. I have boots that I've had for 10 years. Yes. And yes, were they expensive, but now price per wear, we got to be on pennies. And and I do like the the you know, impact that that ultimately ends up having on the environment as well. But that's just me. And so that doesn't have to be for everyone. And so they know that. And the but they here's where they would lose customers and where Francesca's likely had a little bit of issue is there was no niche, right? They served Mm -hmm. a very broad audience of just competing on price point, right? So they're right. Example, if you're competing solely on price, what are you going to do? There is a race to the bottom, right? There will always be someone cheaper. There will always be a Walmart. There will always be someone that can go lower than you. And so when you are competing on that price point, profitability becomes really, really, really hard. And instead when you compete based on a market, right, a most ideal target market, then you're going to compete on the other things that we talked about, product and process, right? The process Mm -hmm. by which you serve your customers and you tell them that you're the best one to be able to serve them. And then the product that actually delivers to that customer. And you can really differentiate yourself in those two. And that's what you described as well, is their ability then to serve you the best product. You have experience, so now you trust them, know, like, and trust. You will keep coming back over and over and over again because you got what you expected. Mm-hmm. With Francesca's, you did not get what you expected. They, where do they even, they don't even exist anymore. I don't even know, yeah. you know? Right. So... That's a perfect example of why we can't compete on price and why the identification and the ownership of a niche is so critical to staying around. Yeah. And and maybe, you know, it, it may be that inexpensive, whatever it is, is is your niche, yeah. but you still you, you have to figure out, I think, why. And, and what is it about that? You know, if it's inexpensive clothing, like I would say, you know, cause so for Francesca's, it was, it's just inexpensive, but like not well-made. I'm so sorry. Are they like listening? I don't know. Like call it theoretical. <laughs> Let's make up another name. We'll call it, you know, Janine. Gen- well, you can call it H&M. <laughs> yeah. They're not hopefully yeah. going to sue me today. Well, but the, right. that was kind of me, kind of my example is like, there's always going to be then an H&M yes. and a Zara who like you, even you can't compete with. So what what are you offering that's different and that's that's quality, you know? I mean, for me, I just think I was thinking of going back again selfishly to myself, but like my skincare consults, you know, there was this it, this theory in the beginning and like, gosh, well, this this place, you know, charges this and this website charges this. Can, are you texting them on the weekend to say, hey, I started this new product and like my face doesn't seem to like it? I doubt it, but like, are my people? Yeah, like you have a cell phone and I want that. Like that's the relationship that that we have. I tell them like, please don't place your order on my website. Please let me know because I actually want to know 
What did you run out of? What did you like? What did you not like? So I know that I'm actually less expensive than some people. I know I'm more expensive than some people, but it, it's it's what it's what I'm comfortable with right now. That's the level of service that I'm able to give and, and the results that I'm able to drive. I mean, I should probably increase my prices. I don't know, Sally. Who's to say? Uh, who's to say? She's like, give me thumbs well, up. She's like, go at drive, jack it up. Yeah. It's I mean, a new it's a year, lot of time. so clear. Everyone should increase their prices right now. Well, uh, every other company that works with us already had my friend, Sweet Laurel. Hey, Laurel, um, posted on this forum that we're in last night. And she was like, how are you guys handling this? This is a great question, Sally. Okay, Laurel, Mm -hmm. turn it up. We're going to answer this question for Laurel. All of our skincare lines, because we carry a lot of the same stuff, we get these emails that are like, remember, you know, was it January 1st? Prices are going up, whether it's by 50 cents, a dollar, Botox just went up. That's why I use only Xeomin. Um, everything goes up January 1st. And she's like, how are you guys communicating this to your patients? You know, whether it's patients, clients, buyers, whatever you want to call it, how, how do we handle this? It's a crappy time to be a business owner right now. Sally, how do we handle this as business owners? Yes. So first, I would argue perspective is everything, right? The very first thing that you need to wrap your head around is control the controllables. You can't control the fact that other people are increasing their prices, right? And so embrace that and be honest with your customer base, right? That's going to continue to improve that no like, and trust that you have with your customer, but you're conveying to them, hey, we, we hate this, right? We yeah. hate that the prices are being increased. However, right, as a business owner, I'm sure you guys understand Right. We have our prices have to then therefore reflect the increase of, um, you know, whatever the 10 percent or whatever the percentage is. Um, You know, we hope and you'll continue to participate and we look forward to doing business with you. Um, In fact, is that email, text, social media, like literally how all of all all of it? So I um, this is uh, hopefully you guys will follow me on social media at the underscore brim, B-R-I-M-M. But the other day I took a screenshot of a my nail salon increasing their prices by 10%. And I posted on my stories exactly what they said. In fact, I'll post it again um, and save it. But I posted what they said and said, here's a good example of how to communicate this and what to convey to your customer. The two yeah. things I would say is honesty, hey, we we don't love it, but it is what it is. The second is the percentage increase, right, mm-hmm. versus the price, right? Just do a percentage oh. increase because majority of the time it is a small percentage. Like, yes, you know, uh, statistically speaking, everyone can raise their price by 10%, and it's so negligible that your customer won't even notice it. However, yeah. you want to talk about profitability, hugely increases your overall profits for years. So that's why everyone should increase their prices right now is because you can. And inflation requires it anyway. And then and then the third is you close the statement with what I call an insumptive close. And we continue to look forward to serving you, you know, with this product, right? Mm-hmm. That's assuming, mm-hmm. right, that they are still going to buy it. You know that this is the best product on the market. You know that they love it and it gets the best results. So you are standing behind it and saying, you still want this and Mm -hmm. we're still going to give it to you. So slough off the 10%. And 
I mean, I like joking about it. Buy one less Starbucks coffee and and get your skin taken care of. You'll be a lot happier that you did, right? That reminds no, me of for some sure. Of your, yeah. So, I mean, the fact is, it, it's going to happen. Don't let your confidence get in the way of that. Continue to operate. This is part of business. Ask yourself, hey, would I would my male counterpart have any concern whatsoever, um, whatsoever of passing on, which is all you're doing, passing on the price increases, he would not. Yeah, no, exactly. And and I feel like too, then I'd love to say from a consumer standpoint, I'm we're talking about profit a lot. And so that can feel very negative to people. And they're like, well, everybody's just out here trying to make a profit. Well, I mean, y'all, it's we're not out here running a charity. It's a business. And most of us are working our asses off, you know, like to get here. Yes. Here's the reason why you want women to have a profit. And here is why it is so important that women have profit. When women have profitable businesses and increase their earnings, Mm -hmm. those within a five mile radius of them are statistically happier. Women invest more in their community than they're male entrepreneurs. They give back to more charitable organizations than anyone else. So mm-hmm. you are going to have a happier, more giving, more beneficial community that you live in when you do business with a profitable female entrepreneur. You you okay. ought to desperately seek. I literally have a concrete example of that. I took a group of my friends to Ronald McDonald house to serve recently. Some of them are business owners and literally immediately after the next week, one of my friends who buys skincare for me, I charge her full price. You know, we use their landscape business. We now charge each other full price as we should, you know, when we were like 15 years ago, of course, we're like, can I pay for this tree? You know, now we're like, charge, charge us, charge us full price. We're lifting each other up. And the next week she's like, hey, can you contact my business manager? We are going to start giving to Ronald McDonald weekly, you know, what, monthly. Like it just, I mean, slow, slow clap, Sally. Like, you know what you're talking about. (laughs) It's like you're literally that just happened to me. Just happened. I'm not surprised. I wish I could say that I was, but it is so common. It, It is it is how women get together is by giving back most often. And I think that, you know, we're phenomenal and women are the future. And we just have to solve this one really key thing, which is that that confidence. And that is because the rest of the world wants us to continue to believe these myths that money is bad, profit is bad, that we can't you know, make a ton of money, otherwise we're evil. And that, you know, charging our clients a lot of money is terrible. But, you know, the sooner we can let go of all of those myths, the faster we can have a, a really better society to live in, truly. And and somehow we've all been given the message of like, my I need to be discounting my services to my friends. I mean, I had to tell oh my, my designer friend, like, stop, I am paying you full price, whatever it like stop it, you know, stop and, and giving it, discounts nobody stop. asks for. If you're, if you're also listening to this and your friend has a business and you're thinking to yourself, like, why do they not give me a discount? I mean, I'll also say to them, like, listen, if there's an opportunity, 
I love to, you know, like bless my friends. So we, we have different opportunities in my business where, where I can do that. Like we have trainings, you know, I might get a free product every now and then. Like if I can do it and pass that on to you, I will. But I also have a corporate team of like 35, you know, and 400 injectors across the country that like, I got to think about them too. And they're doing the same thing that I am every day. They're like hustling for their families, trying to buy their first house, you know, like trying to get their first dog, you know, they're about saving up for IVF. Like I think about all these things that these women are doing and it ain't free, you know, and the IVF clinic and the dog breeder sure ain't giving them a discount. So like, why are you and why are, why as a friend, if you're a friend, my mom, my mother, I'm sorry, dad, my mother does not get a discount when I do her neurotoxin. She does not, never has. I, I love that. And why I love that is merely because, right, the greatest expression of love and support you can give is with your dollars and where you give them. And, you know, we don't go to our celebrities who do not need our money and ask for discounts. We just right. go to the people who we love and care about the most who do need yep. our money. And we've got to reverse the two, right? And yep. stop allowing the the billionaires, not, I'm all for capitalism, obviously, but, but, you know, make intentional choices in 2024, like put your money behind the female entrepreneurs, seek them out, know that again, that your contribution to their businesses are directly contributing back to you and probably your families as well. And I guarantee it's going to make you feel happier doing it too. And everybody around you. Okay, Sally, mm -hmm. this was awesome. Um, where can everybody find you? Instagram is the easiest at the, the underscore brim, B-R-I-M-M. Shoot me a DM with questions. I love getting questions. Ask me anything. I put a, that AMA thing up all the time and I really mean it. It's me answering them. So don't worry about that. If it is my Bestie right-hand Courtney, she will direct it to me or shoot me an email, Sally, S-A-L-L-I-E at growwiththebrum.com. I'll do a quick plug for my book. It's called Hitting Rock Middle. If you are wanting to make a career change this year and you're wanting to, you know, get yourself into a, a season of transition and become an entrepreneur, order that book. This is the roadmap that I took to transition from the corporate world into entrepreneurship. And it's a guide that I felt like I needed um, to make that transition. So it's on Amazon. Go grab it. I'll link it in the show notes. And guys, as always, thank you so much for listening. If you, I can imagine you have someone in mind for this particular episode that you know needs to hear this, please share it, rate it, subscribe to the podcast. That's how we continue to get amazing guests. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>